It's the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy Seafood, the only Baltimore podcast that had two people at the Bowie Bay Sox game here on a Tuesday night. That actually could be wrong. There could have been on two other podcasts, but I'm going to make that claim right now. I, I did see other podcasts there. I will say that. There, there were other mm, podcasts mm, there. This so might be the first live I've ever told that, you please. the show. How about two people at the Bowie Bay Sox game and one not in Maryland? One of the podcasters not in Maryland. How about that? We'll go with that. Um, we are back for another episode. We are going to do less of the talking this episode and allow our interview subjects to do more of the talking. And the reason um, we're going to do that is first, we have Grayson Rodriguez. You guys saw him pitch tonight. So before we get to Grayson, we also have Max Homa on the back end of this with a little U.S. Open golf preview, one of the great social media stars in the game. We talked to Grayson on Monday previewing the start. You guys went out and saw him. So before the listeners hear from him, tell us what you guys saw from him tonight in Bowie. I'm gas. That's what we saw. No, I mean, he, it was all in all, it was an awesome night. Um, Banks and I were what three rows back, four rows back from the uh, on deck circle, right on, on Bowie's uh, dugout. I mean, it was, it was an awesome crowd. It was a great night. Awesome weather. Uh, they, they did drop the game to the Akron rubber ducks, but Grayson was everything is advertised. I mean, right out first inning, he's pumping 99, 98, hit 103 multiple times. I mean, we were gasping when that radar gun was saying 103. And, and we talked to uh, our buddy, Paul, who said, what did he say at the end of the night banks? That, that- he, he said at most any, any reading that came across the stadium gun was juiced by one mile an hour at the most. Cause he had the stack cast right there in front of him. That was confirming everything that was going up there. Yeah. So it, it's still 102 at most. I mean, he was 98, Ridiculous. 99, 100, pretty much anytime he was throwing a fastball. He, I, I thought he was awesome. He did. He left a couple um, breaking pitches up and, and Akron hit him to the wall and, and they drove the, you know, they drove him off the wall and it, it, was, it was a hell of a game. Um, four and a third inning, four and two thirds inning, I think 83 pitches, six K's one walk, the four hits and, and two runs. Um, Grace. And, Maybe the best thing I like I saw from the whole start was him John kind of at the umpire after the uh, there there was a played third where probably should have been the last out of the inning um, it wasn't and they they pulled him after that but Grayson had no problem giving it right back to the umpires I know Banks was giving it to the umpire I was giving it to the umpire that the entire crowd was um, he he was giving it right back it, it was an, it was awesome to see um, so I had to go what what do we say Banks over three with a walk. Um, over the walk yeah uh, you know but uh, i mean all in all it was, it was a great night it was, it was a lot of fun to just see he's massive like watching yeah, he's him a large warm up, he is very very big and he, I mean, he's imposing he's a presence that's that's the biggest thing mm-hmm. i think part of what you're saying with his demeanor he just is a presence on the mound and he, he like you said he did leave a few balls up i think that they were trying to mix a few more breaking balls in uh, throughout the night just to kind of mix him in and, and have him work on some command there, but he could spot his fastball wherever he wanted. He was throwing hundred, 101 pretty consistently. When he threw the changeup, it was coming in 86, 87. The slider was coming in 86 to 88 pretty consistently. So he's, I mean, even his soft stuff is coming in hard and these guys are having trouble keeping up with it. And, uh, you know, he'll talk about it in the interview a little bit. There are guys that look like they want nothing to do with getting in the box against some of their guys. And, and he definitely gave off that, that demeanor tonight. That, that it was that, that you're very, you're, you're right on with that. It was hilarious watching some of the at-bats because yeah, they're like, I'm not, I'm not touching this. Like I can't catch up to that. I'm not, I'm not able to slow down to, 
to get to the off-speed stuff. It was it was great to watch and and just thinking back on what he said in the interview, it was absolutely hilarious because again, those guys wanted zero to do with it. 4,963 fans in Bowie, which is an awesome crowd for them. And you hope that as these guys kind of come through the system, these minor league teams around the area get sort of a boon in attendance from really the great job that the Orioles have done hyping up their prospects. And Eric, I got to give you some credit. There are more gas cans in that crowd maybe than there's ever been in a baseball game. So that was pretty cool. I, I think we may have set the world record tonight for most gas cans at a game. I, you know, I, I'll wear that badge of honor. I think this I thing's think got steam. I think the, the gas can thing's got steam for, for many starts to come, whether it be in Bowie or whether it be somewhere else. I don't know if there are logistical issues there, but um, I don't know. I think, I think he got something here. So, so Glenn Clark was asking me this. We can kind of talk about this right now. Glenn Clark was like, is this a one-time thing? Are we doing this every start? Are we doing it for DL starts? Are we doing it for Cameron Bishop starts? Like, what are we doing? And I'm like, you know what? I don't know. I said, let's see where it goes tonight. And I said, if he goes, you know, two and two thirds with six earned runs tonight, we'll probably leave him at the stadium and let, and let it die. But I mean, I don't know. I, I think, I think this is something we carry on to every, every fifth game, you know, or every fifth start. And if it goes to Norfolk, it goes to Norfolk. If it comes to Baltimore, I would love the Orioles to let us bring uh, gas cans into the ballpark, but uh, who knows what they'll do. But yeah, I think, uh, I think this, I think it has staying power. I think you got to keep it going. I mean, at this point, people seem to gravitate to it. Why not? Let's do it. We keep bringing the gas cans. I, I I can't wait till you're just you're just walking around the the area with gas cans, just handing them out to people. People are just flop the gas can man. So there were some people who had doctored their gas cans to put beer in it and be able to drink it out very fluidly. The, the one I bought has a pump. It has a trigger. It has everything. Banks looked at me like I had four heads when I said I'd never seen one like this because. <laughs> Number one, my mower right now is electric. Don't, it was a gift. Don't talk to me about that. I don't want an electric mower. And all the other ones I've had when I was growing up were just your, your, your regular gas can. And now these are pumps and everything on it. So my one buddy said he put his pliers in and he ripped out the, the insulation or something (laughs) like that. The, the, you know, not like a governor, but something that keeps it flowing like pretty fluidly and he's like i ripped it out he's putting beer in it so people were getting creative with it someone won a 50 dollars gas card um I, again pe- people liked it i think the people at Bowie liked it the uh the upper management and all that so yeah like you said let's let's keep it going i don't know who the official fueling partner of the uh, orioles and their organization is but they might have to find one as this 100%. goes forward uh, we had we had grayson on monday night as we said for about 20 minutes he was absolutely awesome uh a great kid, great head on his shoulder, gave us a, a t- insight, not only into his rise through the Orioles system and, and his background, but some of the stuff he said about the mentality of the pitchers and the players overall in the Orioles system with Mike Elias at the helm and, and, and the other people in the organization in the front office of the resources that they're giving them, the, the analytic stuff that they're doing. I mean, they are very bullish and very confident about developing the best pitchers and best hitters in baseball coming through that system. I think that stuff will excite Orioles fans. So let's get to our interview with Grayson Rodriguez. Something magic happens. We're back on the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy Seafood with the number one pitching prospect in baseball, Grayson Rodriguez. Have you gotten used to that being the introduction that you now get? I mean, that's, that's you know, that's kind of your thing now. No, that's actually the first time I've heard it. So <laughs> there you uh, go. Well, great to be being, great. being introduced like that. But no, I mean, definitely it's, you know, it's been different. Um, 
you know, I mean, it's kind of a nice feeling, but at the same time, the target on my back got a lot bigger. What has it been like for you going through this year where everything has sort of been affected so far? And it's honestly not just been you. It's been a ton of the other prospects, both on the hitting and pitching side. What's this sort of momentum that you guys have had kind of working through right now? No, I mean, it's been awesome. Uh, it's been fun to show up to the ballpark every day. You know, we've been kicking some butt. So, uh, you know, it's all it's always fun when we're doing that. But, you know, we're going to try to keep it rolling, um, you know, see how long we can carry it out, hopefully to the end of the season. Now, you're, you're talking about the guys rolling. Um, I'm going to be at the game tomorrow. Banks is going to be at the game tomorrow for the listeners. We're recording this Monday um, ahead of your first double-A start at home. Um, you're going to be noticing some gas cans. In, in the ballpark. Um, and I, I guess we'll, I can kind of give the little backstory. People were asking, I know people from the Bay Sox were reaching out. You and all the guys seem so close. Adley, Gunner, DL, everything. And it's like, I loved getting on Twitter, seeing Gunner hit an opposite field home run. Adley would hit one. And like the first person to respond was like you and DL retweeting them, talking about like, oh, look, he's doing it again. So that's how I kind of started the gas boys, gas them up. Um, what's it just been like? And like, talk about your relationship with those guys. Again, you guys are the cream of the crop in this prospect class for the Orioles. Just kind of sum that up and what, what the relationship with all you guys is like. And what's it like watching again, not just a couple guys, everyone is just tearing it up down there. Yeah, no, I mean, it all kind of started last summer at the Alston site, you know, me, Adley, Gunner and, and DL, we got pretty close. I mean, we were the youngest guys there. Um, you know, we kind of hung out a lot, you know, joked around with each other. And that was really kind of the first time we got to know Gunner. Um, and, you know, and Adley, too, same with me and DL. You know, I mean, we really had never spent much time together. We had always been in separate places and whatnot. And, you know, we kind of really developed, you know, a great friendship with each other. And, and you know, I mean, spring training was a lot of fun that we're together. And then, you know, it's kind of hard, uh, you know, you break out for the season and, then, you know, we're not all at the same place. But, um, you know, I mean, it's really, it's really nice to kind of see all that on Twitter and stuff, you know, to just kind of hype each other up. Cause I mean, it's all fun, you know I mean? Especially when we're doing well. For sure. For sure. And, and like you said, you talk about the alternate site, talk about kind of, I, I guess, you know, spring training last year, obviously it gets canceled or it gets, it gets stopped halfway through almost three fourths of the way through. And then you guys obviously have that break and you're thrown across ponds and everything. And I guess we'll talk about that later. But what was the alternate site like? Again, you're facing Adley, you know, probably every day. You're, you're getting to see some of the guys, like you said, that you haven't seen before. What was that alternate site like? Because, again, it's hopefully you can't, you won't experience anything like that again. I, I You know, I don't think anyone kind of wants to go through something like that again. No, I mean, it was definitely different. Um, it was it was tough. You know, I kind of got slapped around at times, which, you know, that was that was be- that was better for the learning purposes. So, uh you know, I mean, and we definitely had some dominant outings at times, too. But, you know, seeing kind of some big league guys, some triple-A hitters, um, you know, and, of course, Gunner. Um, you know, I mean, it's different. It's, it's, it's a learning curve. That, you know, you can't just get up there and throw anymore. And so that was something that I really had, you know, to focus on last summer. And now I can carry it through this year. Um, and that's actually helped me out a lot. But, you know, here in Bowie last summer, we were doing the fake crowd noise and we didn't even have, we didn't even have eight other fielders in the field. We had you know, a pitcher, a catcher, maybe a shortstop and a center fielder and then Buck Britton playing third base. So, uh, you know, I mean, it was, it was kind of tough in that environment, but at the same time, you know, it was just, it was practice reps and, you know, it made us better. 
Did you guys do any like fake celebrations, like how some teams will in practice, like do the fake dog piles in college baseball? Were you guys trying to like replicate, like ever replicate like playoff situations or like, like how are you with the fake crowds and all that stuff? How are you guys sort of making stakes on all those games? Because I feel like we always heard about the alternate site, like, ooh, this person's doing well on the alternate site. This is what's happening. But like, what was that like day after day to try to create some stakes in a situation where you just like want to play other people besides your own teammates? No, I mean, it was kind of a grind. Um, you know, we didn't really do anything, I mean, along that, those lines. I mean, there was there was a lot of yelling and trash talking and laughing <laughs> and stuff, uh, you know, out on the field. Like if, like if, you know, I know Adley, I think Adley hit a home run off me once or twice, but it was kind of like a Sandlot episode where he's running around the bases and I'm just sitting there yelling at him, screaming at him the whole time, you know, and, and kind of having all the fun and games there. But, but no, I mean, really, I mean, it was – it was different, but it was it was still a lot of fun, you know, because we had a good group of guys there. And we would play pranks on each other and stuff like that. So, best trash talker at the alternate site. You know, it's me. I would. Oh, I would have okay. I'd have to say it's me. I mean, if you ask everybody, everybody hates to listen to me. But <laughs> you know, DL. I mean, DL's got DL's got it down too. You know, he's pretty tough. He can be ruthless at times. Who's your favorite guy to pick on? I don't know. I mean, I would say, I would say it's a combo between DL and Adley, you know, Gunner, Gunner's kind of the small one, the young, I wouldn't say small, you know, he's a big kid, but um, you know, I definitely have more fun picking on Adley and, and DL. I love that. I, I love how I get, well, again, you're the biggest out of all of them probably. So you, you're kind of looking down on them. Um, I talked about the pond that, that, that famous video of you throwing over your pond. I think back on your property at home, it's like, what, 300 feet, something like that. Um, number one, how many balls are in there? And, like, how many times did it take for you to get that video? Was that your first time throwing across? So or, that, or was, like, that, that was my first time ever trying it. Um, huh. There was about three or four balls that did get wet. <laughs> I'm not going to lie there. But it was – it. We, we shot it with a golf rangefinder, and it was 375 feet, so it was a poke. <laughs> Um, but no, I mean, it was just kind of a spur of the moment ordeal. You know, I woke up that morning, it was a, it was a long toss day. And so I was talking to my dad and my brother about it. And I was like, well, you know, I was like, I guess we can try it. So we did after I played catch and whatever, we went out there and started throwing those suckers across and we got, I mean, we got a few across before the video, but it, it was tough to throw the ball and keep it in the same, I guess, in the camera or landed in the camera because uh, there was a little bit of wind and stuff, but but no, I mean it was it was fun. It was it was cool to, cool to see, and I had no idea it was going to blow up like that. I think I went back and watched it last night. It was up to like four hundred seventy five thousand views. I think that's that's a ton of views. We need um, to find something for you to throw across in Baltimore. We'll have to get on that. I mean, just, there's a harbor. Yeah, yeah, the harbor. Yeah, throw it across. You throw from like the science center over to the aquarium or something. Yeah, over the over the boat, over the ship there. Yeah, we'll yeah. Get, we'll get Jimmy's a sponsor. It could be a whole it could be a whole big thing. So oh yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll put a we'll dog ear that one. Um, but again, you talked about the pond. I guess it's on your property. You also grew up with a, a full baseball field on your property, correct? Yeah. No, I was a fortunate little kid, I guess. When I was about eight years old, seven or eight years old, um, you know, my grandpa kind of had that idea, in which my dad, my dad can build anything, you know, he puts his mind to. So. They actually started working on it 
and it, it was coming along and everything. And then now it's like my dad's little baby, you know, the grass is perfect. It's, it's probably a lot nicer than some of these places we play. Um, but I mean, it's, it's his old thing, which now of course my brother's 13 years old, so he gets to use it. Uh, but we grew up, you know, all of our summer, summer ball teams and, and city rec teams, you know, uh, we all practice out there. So I never had to leave home. So you were, you were drafted in 2018 straight out of high school. And so you were drafted by the Dan Duquette regime. How have you seen since you came into the organization? I know you only had like the rookie ball, you know, partial year that you had there. How have you seen the culture kind of change with Mike Elias and, and some of these new characters in the organization? How much, have you, how much change have you been able to see? And um, I know that might be a little bit, you might not see so much of it because you weren't there long for the Duquette part, but how have you th seen things evolve since you first came in? Well, so I played my first GCL summer there in, in Instructs under Duquette. And when Elias came in, my first spring training in 19, I mean, it was like a, I mean, it was like a culture shock. I mean, to be honest with you, it was a complete 180 turn. You know, we were going, we were going south and we turned it around and headed north now. Um, I mean, it was, I, you know, like you said, I wasn't, I didn't experience it for long, but you know, definitely I was there long enough to see the change. And that's, and the biggest thing would be analytics. Um, you know, the, the Orioles were in the dark ages with that stuff. And now, you know, we're fully invested in it. Uh, it's a tool we use every day. Um, you know, it's kind of a more, more, you know, like a, a team building type ordeal now, you know, everybody's got great relationships. Um, you know, back then it was kind of a free for all, you know, um, which minor league baseball is, you know, essentially you're competing against everybody else, but here, you know, it's more of a, I wouldn't say a friendly environment, but you definitely can feed off each other more now than you could uh, then. I was going to say, obviously, I think the this thing with when Michael S came in was all about, you know, analytics, like the analytics driven. But do you feel like there is a sort of mandate from the top down to develop those type of relationships? Because ultimately, you know, team culture means so much up and down an organization when you're winning. And it seems like, you know, he always tweets – you know, you have a, like an organizational sweep, you know, for you guys and all the minor league teams win and, and, the, and the big league club wins in one day. Do you guys feel that and, and sort of are trying to lift each other up as you, you know, sort of all are invested in this rebuild? Because obviously it's tough, you know, that you have, you, you know, the big club, you know, goes on long losing streaks, but there's an ultimate goal at the end. Do you feel like that's sort of top down what you guys are trying to do? Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely think it is. I mean, you, you want everybody to do better because in the end, you know, you, you picture yourself playing with everybody in, in Baltimore and uh, winning championships and, and all kinds of stuff. So, you know, you want, you want everybody, you want to boost everybody up. You know I mean? It's not about, you know, who gets there first. I mean, you know, that can, that can sour some people, but you know, in the end, the goal is to all be there and all be winning at the same time. How do you feel like that analytical approach has helped your own, your own game because you've had the stuff you don't get drafted 11th overall <laughs> without having, you know, all the tools in the world. How do you, how has that helped you take the next step? Um, it's been huge. You know, I mean, obviously like you just said, being drafted 11th overall, you know, you kind of have the tools to begin with, but it's, it's kind of how you refine those tools and, and make them better. Um, and, you know, with me, I never threw a change up until a couple of years ago. Um, and we were able to kind of develop that pitch and see it, you know, on the slow motion cameras on track, man, how it spins and how it moves and everything. And, you know, this, this computer program that we've created or Sigma Dell created, um, you know, it'll, it'll tell us how a pitch plays before it throw it's thrown in the game. Um, you know, seeing that and seeing what that changeup could do 
and knowing that I could trust it and have confidence in it before I even ever went out and threw it, you know, that was easy to see. Um, and that helped a lot. And, you know, being able to, you know, refine certain pitches like a curveball and a slider, um, spin rates, direction, all kinds of stuff like that. You know, I mean, it's kind of become a big part of my game and uh, in, in my development process. Now you, you touched on something that's fascinating to me there. You, you said that you learned how to throw a changeup a couple of years ago. How does that process kind of start? I mean, did you take it upon yourself like, hey, I could throw something else, else into the mix? Did they say, hey, like you're not getting, I don't know, we could improve how you're throwing to left-handers and we want to mix a changeup in? Like how does that entire process in terms of for yourself and with the organization, how does that work in terms of building a pitch into a repertoire? Um. You know, I mean, it's it's kind of all up on the player. Um, and, you know, the coaches and the organization can make suggestions. Um, and, you know, that was just kind of a suggestion that they had told me after my, fir- my first year in pro ball um, that I needed to kind of learn a change up. So there coming into my first spring training was when we really got on it and worked on it. Um, you know, really, I had it. I threw it. I started throwing it a lot in 2019 um, towards the end of the season. And, you know, it's kind of being with Justin Ramsey, my pitching coach here in, in Bowie, um, you know, this is kind of my second full season with him right now, um, you know, just kind of, you know, messing around with certain pitches and stuff like that. You know, I mean, a lot of guys are different, you know, I mean, they might, they might want to try a curveball with somebody else or a slider or, a, you know, a two seam fastball, whatever it might be. Um, you know, I mean, it's just kind of a, you know, suggestions along the way, you know, and then what's the process of actually putting that pitch into play? I mean, you, you start with probably messing around with some grips, but you just play catch with it and almost predominantly use it while you're playing catch. I mean, how do you, you probably throw a lot of flat grounds throwing that pitch. Like what is the process of taking, a, you know, something from the start and putting it into the game? Yeah. So really, you know, you play a lot with it and catch and bullpens. Um, you obviously wouldn't go out and throw it in the game right away. Um, but, using the technology we have now in our bullpen and stuff, we're able to see, you know, how it spins, how it moves, and we're able to kind of work on it in different ways in bullpens and and whether it be like live at bats, like scrimmages or stuff like that before we go throw in the game. And then, you know, and then every now and then you've got to go out in a game and trust it and throw it and see what happens. Um, You know, doing that, that's, that's a big ordeal, but, but I would say definitely playing catch with it first and then bullpens and then transitioning to the game. What's fascinating to me, what you said there is you guys have technology where you already know how it plays in a game before you even walk out there, which has got to be crazy in terms of your trust of it and not having to go out there and actually see if the thing works. You already have an idea. That's just, that's wild to me. That, that is, that's, that's crazy. But, and so that's what everybody's doing. Like all of you guys are getting a good sense of like, okay, I can see that it maybe doesn't work. I got to tweak it or man, this is playing great in the program. Now I can just go, if I go execute in the game, I already know this thing's going to work. Yeah, so Sigmai Dell um, was a guy that had come over with Michael Elias. He's the head of our analytics department. Yeah. And, you know, without saying too much, but, you know, he created yeah, – Don't reveal the secrets. We, we, it's working for you guys. Don't reveal the um, secrets. He created his own software and his own, you know, his this this program that, that nobody else in Major League Baseball has. Um, and so the whole term, you know, that people throw around is Orioles can't develop pitchers. You know, now – I think the Orioles are going to be able to develop the best pitchers in baseball. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's a term that's going to change here pretty soon. Uh, you know, especially, like I said, with all the stuff that we have now that, 
that others that other organizations don't have that haven't even heard about or thought about it. So you know we're kind of we're we're a big step ahead of them there. Now that's and that's all we want you to say because we want you to keep it as as lack because we want that they were also develop all the all the best pictures. We can't we can't reveal the secrets. I was gonna say just no. just hearing that like those words come out of of your mouth is like the the freshest of air that any Orioles fans could <laughs> ever so digest. True. That is so true. Like oh yeah. I, yeah, like just I mean, hearing if, that was was great. I mean, seeing stuff, you know, seeing videos and whatever on Twitter of guys throwing, you know, you, you really don't get a full grasp of it unless you're in the seats at a game or, or, or in the batter's box. Because I know right now here in Bowie, the other guys that we have faced have been mortally terrified, if, if to put that to least. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and that, doesn't have to be, that doesn't have to be me on the mound, but just being able to watch it from the dugout, you know, everybody – whether it's Cameron Bishop who threw the who threw, threw punched out twelve guys the other night five innings, I mean we sat in the dugout and laughed our asses off the entire time, <laughs> and how it, I mean they looked like t-ballers trying to hit it off of it, and I mean we just have a lot of fun doing it, and especially the hitters, the hitters swinging the bat, we started scoring so many runs, you know, I mean it's like a a murder scene every time something happens out there, especially with Adley swinging the bat, <laughs> having ten home runs he's got now. So, Grayson, what do you, for your own personal sort of growth through the system, how do you sort of, you know, keep your expectations of like, you know, a kind of a one game at a time mentality? You're pitching so well, you're moving up the organization, but obviously they're not just going to rush you all the way up to the big leagues immediately. You have to take those steps. How do you sort of internalize that and deal with that as your ultimate goal is obviously to pitch on the biggest stage and the biggest games? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, like you said, we're just going to take it one day at a time, one game at a time. Uh, you know, really, you know, it's nice to dream about playing in Baltimore and all that stuff. But right now, you know, we're still focusing on the next day, um, the next game. And, and, you know, every every bullpen I throw, it has a purpose. We've got something we work on, um, you know, and, and Justin Ramsey, Chris Holt, you know, all these all these guys we have, you know, they do a good job of, of you know, letting us know, you know, what our focus is and uh, for that week and that month and, you know, different stuff like that. But, you know, I mean, it's. I mean, it's, it's almost, I mean, it's, it's an easy job to come out, you know, and just kind of focus on this stuff, um, especially when you're winning a lot of games. Yeah. So like night by night, how close are you paying attention to the Orioles? I know obviously it's hard to watch through the 14 game losing streak, the 15 in a row on the road, but are you guys sitting down? I know I've talked to Adley and Zach Lowther and a couple of the other guys where they, you know, they're checking box scores or watching most of the games. Are you doing that same thing? Are you kind of checking in every night or watching as many games as you can? I know, I was talking to one of the guys and they said, you guys are having some trouble. Well, this is, I guess, before minor league camp, but uh, getting the games, even in Bowie, they were, they were having some trouble doing that, but are you paying a, a, like close attention or are you kind of just checking a box score in the morning? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I try to watch it whenever you can, you know, um, you know, I know a lot of those guys up there right now. Uh, you know, it's fun. It's fun to watch a lot of those guys swing it like Mountie and stuff, especially Cedric right now. It's just going off. Um, but, no, definitely I try to watch the games, you know, whenever I want. You know, I want them to win and do good, and, you know, because ultimately those guys are going to be your teammates one day. Um, but, no, I mean, we just try to watch it whenever we can. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of the times we're playing at the same times as them. So, uh, you know, I mean, you know, just like I said, try to watch it as much as we can. 
Now, did you have a guy growing up? Were you was there a guy that you were like, you know, I want to I want to model my my delivery after him. I would love to throw this pitch. Who was your guy that you that you kind of focused on when you were when you were younger? I don't know. I mean, you know, I like I grew up in a pretty good era of baseball. Um, seeing being able to watch Roger Clemens and Andy Pettit pitch in Houston. Um, you know, whether it had been Cliff Lee uh, playing for the Phillies and, and ultimately playing for the Rangers there for a little bit. Um, you know, I, I'd be lying if I had a favorite pitcher or whatever, but, uh, you know, I had some Nolan Ryan posters in my room, and stuff like that. Um, but I don't know. I mean, really just kind of taking little bits and pieces from everybody. Did you grow up a fan of one of those Texas teams or were you just kind of a guy that watched the league? So my I grew up at an early age watching the Astros, the Killer Bees with yep. Bagwell, Biggio, and Berkman. Uh, you know, that was my team growing up. And then as they started to get, you know, kind of bad after they left, you know, I kind of transitioned over to a Rangers fan with, you know, prime, prime uh, Josh Hamilton and, uh, you know, Adrian Beltre is one of my favorite players. And, you know, seeing that group also, you know, kind of when I had more of an understanding of what baseball was, uh, you know, with the two World Series trips that they had, you know, stabbed a knife in my heart. But, uh, you know, I mean, it was it, it was I grew up watching some good baseball. I'll say that. Fun fact that uh, that World Series. Well, I don't want to keep bringing up these bad memories. We literally had a bottle of champagne ordered at the bar because my buddy was a Rangers fan. So yeah. that ball went back to Nelly Cruz. He literally turned around to get the cups ready and was going to start pouring. And then he turned back around and the ball was just rolling all around in the outfield. But again, I don't want to bring up. I don't want to bring up uh, more sour memories for you. Uh, yeah, that was a bad one. <laughs> um, what were your other teams? in other sports um i'm a texans fan so mm. you know, that that's kind of a sinking ship right now <laughs> obviously that's one obviously with the rockets losing james harden that was another shot to the chest <laughs> um so right now right now we're kind of struggling so i'm a big fantasy football player so for base or uh, football i should say um you know so i just like watching the nfl in general so we can talk about it then. The, the Wizards won the Westbrook and John Wall trade. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I know the the jury was kind of out on that to begin, but uh, take a care of Wall though. We like him here. There's no hard feelings. Um, you know, I, I think we just uh, now we're experiencing what you guys experienced with uh, with Westbrook the last couple of years. So yeah, Grayson, what's been your experience being able to get? You know, you're you're a Texas guy through and through, but getting up and around Maryland, you've obviously moved to different places, but getting up to Baltimore, what's just been your experience in the state so far since you've been in the organization? Uh, you know, I'd have to say the food. You know, the crab cakes are phenomenal. I think the only crab cakes I've had have been Jimmy's, and I think that I'll keep it that way. Yep. <laughs> yep. Sponsor the show. Thank you very much. Great job. Yeah, no, I mean, definitely. You know, the food. The food's been fantastic. You know, I still, I still kind of – I need to learn how to eat crabs. You know, it's kind of like it's kind of like crawfish back home. You know, you kind of crack them, peel them, whatever. A little bit different there, but no, I mean, I definitely say the food um, is a lot different. Um, you know, back home we kind of boil all of our seafood, and here, you know, it's steamed, I believe, or I think, whatever. Yep. Uh, but you know, definitely the food. I would say, you know, I definitely, I definitely like crab cakes. And so, so you've played again with with Adley and DL and some of these other guys. Can you give me just like a quick elevator pitch on 
what you've seen from them again, either watching, either pitching to them or sitting in the dugout, watching them hit, throw, whatever. Can you kind of just give me a little summary of what you've seen from them and, and, you know, what expectations you had coming in uh, on them? Yeah. So I would say Adley's not really exceeding expectations because you expect him to hit the ball out every time he's up to the plate. (laughs) But I mean, he, he's absolutely been on fire. Um, you know, DL throws fire. So that's another thing. Um, seeing him go out and just about strike everybody that steps up to the plate out, you know, I mean, that's a lot of fun to watch. Um, you know, I, I get pretty loud on that on his start day. Um, but I mean, I don't know. It's been, it's just been a lot of fun, especially to be in the same dugout with them, actually playing other people. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I had seen, I saw DL throw about a 40 foot slider. And the guy swung and missed. And he, before he had gotten the bat off of his shoulder, he was already running to first base. It was, it was that bad. And, you know, we kind of laughed about it and everything, but yeah, I mean, I'd say it's, it's a treat to watch. Well, it's a treat to, to watch all of you, the young guys up and down the organization uh, playing so well and, and, and hopefully leading to better things for the Baltimore Orioles. Grayson Rodriguez, thanks so much for giving us a little bit of your time. Good luck in the start tomorrow as we record here on a Monday and for the rest of the year, man. Can't wait to watch you continue to pitch. Yeah, thank y'all for having me. That was a lot of fun. Back to you in the studio. Back on the other side, back on the X-52 podcast presented by Jimmy Seafood. Thanks once again to Grayson Rodriguez. Awesome stuff. I mean, when he starts talking about, you know, we're going to have the best pitchers, the Orioles are never known for having the best pitchers. We're going to have the best pitchers. I mean, we all, I think, were, you know, you're listening to someone talk and you're, and you're not, you know, you're, you're obviously engaged, but you're sort of listening, listening. I think all we all kind of gave the, oh, oh. Like, oh, oh. yeah. Like, that was my Baltimore. breath away when he what? said that. Like, when he said, like, we're going to develop the best pitchers. We're going to have the best pitchers in baseball. I was like, oh, oh my God. Like, that, I've <laughs> never heard anything like that out of anyone. I mean, that's just awesome to hear. I know it's exactly what I said in the interview, but like, that's exactly what we want to hear. Yeah, it, it's it's wild to hear not only and you you'd think you'd hear that talk maybe from a from a, a GM if they're trying to, you know, kind of get some headlines, but to hear that confidently from a 21 year old who's, you know, pitched was making his first double A start that or home start the day after. Pretty unbelievable. So great to hear that stuff from Grayson Rodriguez and, and awesome to hear the bond he has with the fellow um, guys in the minor leagues. I think that is going to serve the Orioles well as they come through the future. We switched gears totally here. And as we've done on this show a few times, Banks, obviously your golf exploits well-known, writer, writer for Barstool, you do a lot of the golf coverage there. We have really one of the great, you know, I think not even golf, just overall sort of social media presences in sports. Uh, Max Home has the U.S. Open, uh, comes to Story Pines this weekend, and Max is an awesome dude. Awesome dude. Great for coming on. Hey, come on this Baltimore sports podcast. And <laughs> you're, you're as your guy from Southern California. Guy's absolutely tremendous and and hopefully has a great week in his hometown. Yeah, I, I or home, I'm not home sure. region, home region. He's an LA guy. They're playing in San Diego. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not is. even sure that I necessarily uh, gave him the detail up front that this was a Baltimore podcast. I think he might have just seen the Baltimore uh, the Barcelona Banks handle when I DM'd him. I slid in there like maybe two months ago and said, "Hey, man, like we just did a podcast with Bryson about the Masters." We'd love to have you on sometime to talk golf, maybe before one of the majors. And then that t- I kind of touched base before Kiowa. And he was like, you know what, man? Like I actually 
like I know Tory, like the back of my hand. I grew up in the area. I know the golf course. Like I'm probably a better fit for Tory. So let's circle back and 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 let's talk when it's time to talk about Tory Pines. And so I, I circled back, and um, you know he he was gracious with his time. We had to kind of wiggle some things around um, in terms of when we were able to do it. I did like I got caught in a monsoon trying to drive home from work to get to my house in order to interview him. And I didn't get home in time. I had to pull over and do the damn interview from a Seven Eleven parking lot in my car. But um, that's just the way that the, the way we roll here at exit 52, they're not, I mean, he's not the first person at all that I've interviewed for my car, um, but it is an awesome conversation. I mean, he he's every bit of what he comes across on social media. He's seriously the nicest, most gracious dude with just, he, he seems to, he gives off just like this positive vibe at where he's just very socially aware that like, it's not easy to, to give positive vibes all the time, but like, as long as you're trying to keep things positive and um, he, he's just a good dude. So um, I hope everybody enjoys it. I hope everybody learns a little bit and I uh, hope, hope everybody has some fun too. For sure. I think he's like the definition of a guy that's easy to root for. Like that phrase is Max Homa. And if you go look him up at, for people not familiar, maybe with, with him or, or aren't big golf people, look him up and see the journey he's been on from a guy that came out on tour and had early success and then absolutely fell off the map for a couple of years and, and couldn't make any cuts, went back to the, the sure. secondary core, which is the corn fairy tour and is now then returned and, and won on tour, won the Genesis in front of his hero, Tiger Woods a great dude who, who I think interacts with, you know, the traditional golf media and then all of the sort of offset alternatives um, that have sort of sprung up over the last few years, including, you know, uh, affiliated with Barstool and other outlets. He's just, he's just tremendous um, and and was really great to have on the, on the podcast. And we hope that he has some success this weekend. So let's get to our interview with Max Homa. Something magic happens. We're back here on the exit 52 podcast with, PGA Tour golfer, internet sensation. You've been defined as a lot of different things, Max Homa. Appreciate you coming on. Uh, first of all, I have to start with this. You you achieved every kid's dream in our generation. You won a golf tournament in front of Tiger Woods. Can you just explain to us what that feels like? Because for me, when I saw you do that, I, I felt like I was living through you as someone that, well, first of all, can't play golf well, but loves Tiger Woods. When I was going to do that. What was that like for you? Dude, it rocked my world. Uh, I think on <clears throat> Saturday – yeah, Saturday we had the wind delay and we were all sitting around and I was with DJ and Xander and a few other guys. And I guess like, you know, Tiger's name's on the tournament, obviously, and, but he's been hurt and I didn't expect to see him. And all of a sudden he comes in, you know, like a superhero. <laughs> Every time I see him, I feel like he's fake and he comes over to like our table, but he's obviously talking to DJ and Xander, you know, Xander and DJ got up and they're talking to him and we're kind of like on the outskirts and, I'm trying not to fanboy, but, you know, you're thinking like, man, I want one day to be able to, you know, chop it up with Tiger, maybe. I don't know. Uh, like any kid would want. And fast forward, you know, 24-ish hours and, you know, all of a sudden I'm shaking his hand on the practice green, getting a trophy, getting to talk to him a little bit. And it was just, yeah, like you said, it's just a dream. A kid, you know, as a kid, even as a 30-year-old dorky golf guy now, it's just like, <laughs> I just want my little moments with the dude that made me want to play golf and it's kind of helped me, you know, pursue my dream without even knowing it. So it's just very cool. <laughs> now we come into the, the U S open at Torrey Pines. I think he's the last one to win the U S open at Torrey Pines. You got to have some good vibes there. You know, shook us in after a win going into Torrey in Southern California, where you're from. Got to feel good. 
Yeah, and you know, I have two uh, working legs at the moment, which he didn't have when he won the U.S. <laughs> Open. So you think you think it'd be doable? I mean, my gosh, like I have a hard enough time playing majors with a perfectly feeling body. The guy did it with a broken leg. Um, but yeah, I always have good good vibes in Southern California. Uh, I love that golf course, and yeah, that that 08 U.S. Open is probably the greatest. I mean, I think guess 2019 Masters will get all the kind of a lot of the credit because it was just so amazing. But given that exact week, that's the most amazing accomplishment I can remember in golf, uh, just as like, a you know, as its own entity. Uh, I remember I remember that week just thinking uh, I think we had dinner reservations one night, my family. And we all started watching uh, the golf on Saturday night when he was chipping in and making eagles from everywhere. And we just pushed, kept pushing it back. So we're like, we can't miss history uh so yeah so i got good vibes hope i can keep keep the southern california mojo uh rolling uh on the on the heels of getting to get a trophy from tiger yeah have you uh have you been out the tory since um since you, the farmer's insurance earlier this year because from what i've researched so far that 2008 u.s open there were the top 10 that finished in that u.s open had horrible history at the farmer's insurance throughout the years both before that year and after so it seems like there's no correlation in the setup between what you see in January and what you see, uh, what you'll see next week. So have you gone out to see what it looks like now? I have not. I have some buddies that live out there. One of the guys who helps me with my putting lives out there. He's actually been texting me uh, kind of daily. Let me know what the course has been looking like. I will say that I think the reason for there's two reasons for, for the point you just brought up. One is we don't play the North course and that's a big, you know, that's yeah. a big difference. I know it's only one round, but, um, I mean, at the Farmers this year, I played really well out on that one and played, you know, solid the other three days, but I never got it going on the South too low. Um, and also, in that 08 US Open, I think. what's that? Sorry. Sorry, I think you mixed in a 67 on Sunday. Unless that was the year before. Oh, that was two years ago. That was two, two years ago. ago. Last yeah, year, yeah, I think yeah. I shot 71 on Sunday. So I played solid there, but, you know, I've got, I've made, I, I kind of, I think I shot six under at North. So you take that out and, you know, it definitely becomes a different beast. Um, and it's usually quite uh, soft in uh, January, February, whenever that event is. Um, but I've heard that it, it actually isn't super firm yet. In 08, it was very firm. So I don't know if we're going to get that. I think it'll be a little bit more like the farmers. Um, and it's interesting because Torrey Pine South could pretty much host the U.S. Open nearly any day of the week for 365 days. So I didn't really feel inclined to go out there and check it out because um, – I don't know. It just can't, it can't it can't get too different. I don't know if if, if it's just kind of a coincidence uh, to your point that the top ten didn't play well, but uh, or hadn't had good success on it before because it is really it's right there in front of you. You just got to play well, and it's hard. But you can't do too much to it besides make it firm. And like I said, I've heard it won't be too too firm this year. So we'll see. I mean, but I've been there enough times where you sh- it shouldn't be too hard to uh kind of change uh change your views on some of the holes i guess yeah as you just kind of simplifying golf right there it's like it's right there in front of you i mean everything's <laughs> right there in front of you you just gotta hit it straight That's true kind of tough part. people try to make a lot about like oh this one fits him so good this and that and there's certain angles where that's true, but a lot of the time it's just like, hey, like, how good do you hit a seven iron and you need to go yeah. do it right now? <laughs> yeah, because I think about every year when we go into into Augusta, everyone is thinking about like, oh, man, this guy works it right to left. His shot shape really fits this course well and all this stuff. And I'm starting to see, uh, especially this year before the Masters, I saw like Patrick Cantley and Kamal Rakawa 
they, they came in and they said, you know, the first couple of years I came in here, uh, I thought that I needed to shape shots a certain way, or I needed to just try to fit my game and, and, and try to work on shots that are supposed to fit here when in actuality, like it's just about hitting your shot and hitting it well and hitting it where you want to. So um, do you feel like in general, like golfers or analysts alike, do you think that they put too much stock into shot shaping and things like that? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually somebody who loves to work the ball with my irons. I, I like to work it both ways. I work really hard on doing the, you know, kind of Tiger and Johnny Miller kind of popularize it, but doing the nine shots, the low, high, mm-hmm. draw, cut, all that. I, I really enjoy yeah. doing that. That's been kind of a staple of my game is my irons. But off the tee, I've actually kind of learned quite a bit from watching the top guys. And Colin's a good example. I mean, he plays the same cut uh, on every hole, but he just has it dialed. And it's a astute observation for him, you know, to make about Augusta, because I agree. I go in there and think I got to hit a sling hook. I mean, there's going to be a couple holes you probably need is the wrong word, but you sh- you could, it would help. 13 obviously would help a lot. Even uh, coming down 10, you would need it a little bit. But um, I definitely think analysts and, and talking heads like that golf is <laughs> – Golf is so obviously simple if you listen to like DJ talk about it, but to fill four hours of, of time, <laughs> you know, you start coming yeah. up with other things. Like, oh, you know, he just really knows the grain here. It's like, I don't know, maybe he's just rolling the ball really well yeah. this week or maybe, I don't know. So, yeah, I think people try to complicate it. But right. at the end of the day, it's, it's just hit it where you're looking and see what happens. They got to mix something else in other than nerves every so often. So yeah, that's I mean, a good point. They got to have some topics <laughs> to talk about. That's a good um, point. Yeah. Um, so just talking about your career as a whole, you're a two-time PGA Tour winner. I think you're, you're 39th in the world right now. You've kind of had a uh, maybe a little bit of a different route than a lot of players have, have gone to, to reach the heights that you're at. Um, you know, you were on the 2013 Walker Cup team with JT, and he had near instant success on tour, whereas you kind of plodded along and, and slowly made your way up and, and have made a name for yourself. Um, is there, are there any players that you're seeing that are kind of on a similar trajectory that you think are kind of, you know, right around the corner from breaking through and just kind of making their own name? Yeah, I'm biased, but my best friend out there is Taylor Gooch. Uh, Taylor, uh, had a good college career. Um, I don't think he was like a Justin Thomas coming out, not that many people are, but he had some success on the, at the time web.com and ended up getting his card. I think the year after I did or a couple years after I did uh, the first time and, and then has been on tour for the last four or so years. And um, I, I guess maybe just, I, I mean, I play with him a lot, but the dude is amazing. Um, so he, he, I guess would have that kind of trajectory in the sense that he's always been good, but it, it's, I think this year he's finally kind of putting himself in position in the big events. He made a run at the players championship um he he played well at shadow creek in the cj cup uh, and so in some big spots the dude is like showed up and if you ever watched him play golf you think my god this kid is good so um he's somebody i've been looking looking uh forward to watching how uh you know when he'll when he'll get his first win and where that might be because it could be a really really big tournament you know it could be like a, a u.s open type tournament it could be it could be one of the the ones that everybody's watching. So that's somebody that I would keep my eye on. Um, yeah. And, and again, like he's not a household name by any means, but he has all the golf game in the world to, to be one. I just, I just need you to tell Taylor to change his name to be spelled the right way. I just need a Y in there. Just throw a no, Y in it's there. It's kind of cool, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you got to separate yourself somehow. You yeah, know? exactly. From the rest of us, from the rest of us Taylors. <laughs> Max, I'm fascinated in just reading about you, how you've sort of gone through a mindset change when you're out there. 
um, which I think is a really interesting thing just across athletes. And we had, we had Bryson on this uh, before the masters and he was talking about sort of his mindset stuff. And you sort of switched to a really, you know, positive mindset, sort of trying to keep yourself level when you're on the course and through all your struggles. Can you just sort of expand on what that process has been like for you? Cause I think that that doesn't just apply to athletes in golf, but that just applies to people in life. Like that gets you through, you know, things at work or things with your family. So what was that, what's that been like for you? Yeah, it's been awesome. Um, I would be lying if I said, you know, I'm perfect at it and that I'm always positive on the course. I definitely have my moments, but I guess it just was uh, kind of brought to my attention in November, right after the Masters in November, that I just don't really spend much time uh, working on like myself. I, I spend a lot of time on the range, chipping, putting, hitting, whatever. And I don't spend nearly that much time, um, you know, learning how to be a better me as far as uh, my positivity goes and calmness goes and all that. And um, just been trying to get into that reading about it, what, what, what it really means to be kind of peaceful and calm and, and happy, what that actually entails. Uh, and then how that can, the hard part is blending that into sports. Cause a lot of those people that are talking about that are, are, are you know, rightfully so just trying to get through a day in a life and enjoy uh, things and see things brighter. And in, in sports, you still need some of that, you know, F you and you, you need to be able to kind of have, have some of that grit and trying to blend those two has been, has been tricky. But for me, I've, I've always really struggled with self-confidence uh, on the golf course, even when I was playing well. Um, and uh, so if I start to play a little bit poorly, it like goes kind of quick and it's kind of learning that when I'm in a happy, good place, uh, it becomes a lot easier to, you know, really believe in myself, even when things aren't going great. So it's just been a fun journey, learning uh, some new, uh, reading, you know, books for the first time in a while that are, you know, you know, nonfiction kind of like self-help type books has been fun. Uh, and, and yeah, it, it, it's interesting because it is more of a life thing for me. It's not all golf. My, my, my life does kind of revolve around golf, but at the same time, like if I leave the course and I'm hanging on to something from that day, it's just like, what, why do you like, you're just making everything more difficult uh you need to be able to let it go and it's weird how when you start doing that you let it go on the course and you start to play a lot better golf because we're all going to hit some really bad golf shots we're going to have some moments that we don't love uh and it's about you know can you approach the next golf shot with the same mindset you would have had if this was your first one of the day so it's been fun it's been good to learn uh, i i kind of implore all my friends now to like read some of these books or at least to look at up some stuff to, to figure out maybe where they could kind of find some more inner happiness. Cause uh, you know, it's obviously like life's hard, man. There's a lot going on. So <laughs> it's nice. Sometimes to feel like you, you gotta, you get a break and, and you kind of love yourself a little bit more. That's awesome. I mean, it was definitely a part of what was built into the narrative uh, at Riviera. I mean, with missing the putt on 18 and then bouncing back. I mean, what stupid chip there on, on, on 10 in the playoff. I mean, I, <laughs> and by the way, uh, my mental psyche was very much pained by that as a guy who was throwing money on Tony Fino week after week, after week, after week, I come out on the wrong side. So I want to give you the opportunity to apologize for affecting my negative psyche. Um, <laughs> What's the, the McGregor thing? I apologize. To absolutely. Nobody. Absolutely. Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> the double we champ is back. Yeah. We, we threw that tweet at somebody last week. We got Raiders fans real upset about something because the Ravens are playing them on Monday night football <laughs> the season. And we said, oh, yeah, Lamar Jackson's going to run all over him. And then we threw that tweet on top of him. I like that. Upset. <laughs> uh, Twitter, yeah. That's, I mean, that's, is that your whole brand, I think, to some people? I mean, with part of my take and everything going on there, um, 
And then we got the whole, the PIP program. I forget what it stands for, but do you feel like people are encroaching on your turf at all? Oh man. I wish they would. So I could do it less. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, it's funny. That PIP thing's funny. I mean, uh, at the end of this year, we'll see who gets the top 10, but I would almost guarantee you it'd be the 10 ish top guys on tour. Uh, it's not really going to be, uh, you know, there, there's no turf to be uh, stepped on here. Um, I like it. I think it's good for golf. Uh, that's why I've done it for a while. I noticed that people uh, take pretty kindly to the interactions. And, and if I was a kid or if I was a fan, I'd love it if, if there was a couple players that uh, wanted to kind of reach out here and there or at least show who they were. So I like that more people are doing it. Um, it's fun. You know, you look at Phil Mickelson. Phil Mickelson has been in the last two or three years has really embraced it. And I feel like yeah. even more people are Phil Mickelson fans now. And you look at the Bryson and Brooks thing going on and, you know, that's just creating more buzz for our game. So I, I, it's not, it's not a, I, I'm not selfish with this. I, I, I commend more people and recommend more people to get into, into it as long as it's, you know, going to not hinder your golf. Um, and also, you know, beware, cause it's a, it's a dark murky place on that Twitter thing. <laughs> Uh, do you, speaking of the Bryson Brooks thing, um, are there any, any rivals that perhaps you want to mix it up with and just kind of get that rolling at all? Uh, you know? Yeah, I think, I think I need to, I think I need to start a rivalry with Joel Damon. Uh, he's funny. <laughs> yeah. It's, he's that's like a medium, good looking guy like me. Like we're kind of right in the middle, <laughs> you know, you got Brooks and Bryson. They're both really, really, really strong uh you know they're they're the top dogs in the game uh so we need like kind of a next tier down rivalry yeah we could set like up a card kind of, yeah 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 we're you're just kind of more like the middle the middleman uh rivalry and you know joel joel lives only like a mile from me so i could tp his house at night uh, <laughs> you know it'd be an easy thing to get going but uh no like i said it's good i, I wish I, I i like too many people i think i don't i wouldn't even know who to start with a rivalry uh, but I think, you know, if I had to pick somebody, Joel would be an easy target. Do you guys at all talk about, you know, when you, you're playing with guys or, or off the course about sort of like the group effort to grow the sport? Because it's such an interesting thing. You guys are all out there individually. You're all trying to win. But, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats for you guys, money-wise, attention-wise, all those different things. Is that a discussion that happens or do you guys just kind of do your own thing? No, typically we just look at tiger and say hey because <laughs> uh, he's you know he's kind of the guy that my god he everything he does is just so good for the game and he creates so much buzz and obviously at some point we're not we're not going to have him playing uh you know consistently and uh so yeah it does get on us but i think i think when it when it comes out organically i think that's obviously the best way to do it we talk here and there just about, you know, I guess we just discuss who is kind of the needle at, at the moment. I think Brooks and Bryson have obviously taken that Bryson really honestly in the last year or so with the distance thing uh, that, that he's, he's created uh, has been kind of must watch TV. Jordan Spieth is like always the guy, I mean, playing waste management this year, I could hear the roars uh, throughout the day and you could just tell they're different. So I don't know if anybody's really taken on the thought of like, hey, how do we grow the game? But I do think that people know their avenue and how they could play a part in growing the game. So, I've, I mean, I've talked to Joel about that. I've talked to Hubbard about that, just like about, you know, what we even mean to like the sport. 
And, uh, you know, at times it's like kind of being a little more lighthearted and funny, but at the end of the day, competition is what grows the game. I mean, we could talk all about, um, the rivalry thing that's brewing, but at the same time, it wouldn't really be a big deal, uh, unless they were a couple of the top players in the game. So, uh, at the end of the day, you just got to compete. And that honestly, you know, jokes, all jokes aside about Tiger moving the needle. I mean, that's what he does. He doesn't do a whole lot of stuff outside that. He just plays some amazing golf that we all uh, watch and want and crave seeing more of. So uh, that, I think that's where it kind of starts and finishes. Definitely. Uh, I mean, Twitter, I think, I think when you won at Wells Fargo, it really showed how much of a following, how popular that win was. And you could say the same thing for Joel Damon, what, four or five weeks ago when he won, uh, the outpouring was just different because you, because you see guy, guys break through on tour all the time with the first win. It's always emotional. It's always a great story. Um, but it, I would say those two wins stick out as wins where the general perception, like the crowd in general, was just like, oh, man, this is really awesome. Like, this is something different. Um, so, like, kudos to you for having built that before really breaking through and winning. Um, now, you're going to play golf with some guy at some point? Armin, what yeah. It? What was it, Day – 23 or 25 25 yeah were you was there a certain point in the process where you were like all right I'm gonna let this get to this point and this is where I'm gonna let it let it go or did you wake up that day and just say ah fuck it like we'll, we'll play golf I think I got to day 22 and I was like all right 25 is gonna be the day I I'm or, you know pretty much a big pushover um I don't like to say no to many things so Probably I knew once it started here. going yeah that's exactly yeah how exactly I, that's the only reason <laughs> yeah. we got you yeah yeah, it's a smart move. You just got to ask a couple times. And I'll take. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I figured, I mean, it's, you know, it's good. It's good. I'm not going to do it again for, for the golf thing. So if people keep tweeting at me day one, day two. I'm not doing this again. But, um, you know, I, I like, again, this is my goal in life is to be a great golfer and see where I can get to in the game. But at the same time, along the way, I'd like to have uh, some impact on people that like to play golf. I love that, that people are so interested in the game. I love, you know, the idea of growing it in, in any way I can. I, I don't have uh, a wide reach, but in this, at, you know, instance, it was, it's easy. Um, we're going to make it happen. Um, but yeah, I, I knew, I, I knew I would because it's, you know, it's harmless. It's fun. I'm hoping to figure out a way to kind of raise some money for charity along the way. And I know he's excited. We've talked about it. So uh, we'll figure something out, make it fun um you know hopefully get him uh get him in front of a camera and see see how he likes to be uh you know kind of filmed while he plays some golf <laughs> uh but yeah it should should be good it, it like i said it's harmless fun and I, i'm glad it i'm glad you know he did it and it worked out because it's been it's been kind of funny for me too just to see uh i don't know just to see how uh excited people can get for such like a small thing to happen i mean we're gonna go play golf like many people <laughs> many people do all the time but somehow this has become like somewhat of a somewhat of a big deal which is cool for me i mean he put in the grind i mean it's a lot of days i started texting, i tried to start tweeting at cal ripkin and say hey you want to play golf and i went two days before i forgot to post on day three yeah so. well that's that's a work. tough one though because i think he played two thousand some odd games in a row so that guy's got a lot of stamina he's, he's got, got a lot of loss yeah you might have to do it to like 2040 yeah, yeah. <laughs> That would take yeah. a while. Uh, you're an LA guy, Max. Uh, if you win the U.S. Open, are you Lakers have lost? You know, Dodgers are still you know champs, but are you the biggest champion in, in LA if you can win? Next week? 
I don't, I definitely don't think so. <laughs> uh, not even a little bit, but uh, it'll be fun. It would be fun to win uh, a championship in San Diego. So somebody in San Diego could finally have one. Uh, oh, wow. Championships down there. The Padres are, you know, they're getting pretty decent, but. Well, uh, you're also taking their teams. I mean, you're literally taking their teams. Yeah. So they or are they you leaving? Take their championships. Because there's very little <laughs> interest down there. I'm not sure. One or the other. <laughs> um. Any comments on the Lakers before we get you out of here? Yeah, pretty disappointing. Uh, <laughs> it, it just proves, you, you know, you can't have it all. Anthony Davis is an unbelievable specimen, but the guy can't stay healthy. Uh, LeBron uh, seemed, I mean, this is his 18th year, but he seemed a little more, uh, I guess, tired, if you want if you want to go with that. Um, but it was still fun to watch. It's a shame. It's a shame uh, we lost to the Suns, considering I live here now, because I wanted to root for them as my backup team. But people have been so damn annoying about it around here that <laughs> now I don't want them to win. So yeah, it's been a bummer. But I mean, we won. I'm just. I'm glad I got to see see one as of late. I'd only seen five before that, so it's been tough sledding for for my uh, lifetime as a Laker fan. Yeah, that's what we, we we have sympathy for all the the Boston fans that are that are near. Yeah, oh, it's, we, that uh, McGillicuddy kid. I hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's dead to me. Yeah, he's he's like in college now. It's crazy. He's a punk. He's not even a kid. He is a punk. <laughs> I mean, you're you're not gonna get any disagreement here. There's nothing about him that isn't punkish. Like he has everything about him. Like his looks. Everything. Like even when he's a kid. Like, oh man, I hate that kid too. Yeah. <laughs> Max, thanks so much for coming on with us. Know you're busy, guys. You lead up to the U.S. Open uh, next week. We're wishing you good luck and uh, bring one home, man. Thanks for coming on. Well, dude, thank you guys so much. Appreciate you. Yeah, thanks, thank Max. you, man. See y'all. See y'all. Appreciate it, man. Back to you in the studio. Back on the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy Seafood. Tremendous stuff uh, for Max Homa. Two golf interviews, uh, two awesome perspectives um, on life from the yeah. two guys we've had on. Two um, different dudes, big two time very, different dudes. Very different dudes. And uh, we, we have to continue to help uh, Max develop a rivalry. Um, and it seems like he's kind of started to get there on Twitter a little bit this week. They're, they're yeah. It's fun it's, stuff. It's funny. We recorded that interview like last Wednesday. I mean, we've been sitting on an interview for maybe six days and i'm sure he had this in his brain already that joel damon was going to be the target of his uh his next rivalry but it felt like as soon as we finished our interview and i logged on to twitter he started hurling insults at uh joel damon and they're going back and forth and cracking jokes at each other so um maybe we had an exclusive there maybe we had something there about who we <laughs> to go after but uh at this point it's very much out there that he wants a piece of Joel Damon, who's another awesome dude uh, on tour. We will not do a full uh, U.S. Open preview as we did for the Masters, where you almost went like golfer by golfer for a while. But Banks, uh, you have a U.S. Open preview out on Barstool Sports. People can go read that. Give the listeners uh, your top uh, betting pick of that uh, of that blog. Go read the blog. There's a lot in there. But There's a lot a, in there. I give, am on- give one. Give one out here on the pod. <laughs> I'm on I'm on Tony Fee now this week. This is oh, my what guy. a shocker. What yeah, a shocker. Believe Tony it or Fee? not, this is not a FOMO pick. This is the real deal. Tony Fee now. He plays well on the West Coast. He puts the ball well on Poana Greens. Read about the Poana Greens in my blog. <laughs> uh Bumpy Greens. Tiger Woods bumped his iconic putt in 2008 at Torrey Pines right over those bumps and drained that bitch to force that playoff. But um Tony Fee now hits it a long way. He plays well in US Opens. 
Um, another great dude. Love Tony Fee now. Great um, dude. And I love the value of 20 to one if you're into that thing. So um, I'm rooting for Tony. I think everybody should be rooting for Tony. And if it's not him, some might not like this pick, but I think there's value on Justin Thomas too. So mm, JT. Yeah. Back. Back. Could be back. Could be, could be his week could for be sure. Back. Um, we do not have a starting five this week. No starting five. Did not have the our, our schedule to record this pod has been very is very, very small this week um due to varying schedules so no starting five this week but that two doesn't interviews. mean you sh- two interviews and that doesn't mean you shouldn't visit fed thrill because you could use the promo code x52 you get 20 percent off and you still need those sunglasses doesn't matter if we're talking yep. about it you need to go get them so we ran into a couple guys at the Bay Sox game that had used our, our promo code exit 52 20 off they they love the sunglasses they've had them for a couple weeks now um they're polarized they're they're affordable um if you, if you happen to lose them, you're not going to be heartbroken about it because you didn't pay out the ass like you would for Ray-Bans or something like that. Um, Fed Thrill, just awesome sunglasses. People love them. I love them. These guys love them. Use the promo code. And, uh, yeah, and, and you just go use the promo code again. Just go get more sunglasses. Just continue yeah, to exactly. buy Fed Thrill sunglasses. We will get and close the show here on a uh, Maryland uh, Person of the Week, Nick Intermelli, Maryland Person of the Week uh, bank. You can open it up. I'm going to take Sons and Four Guy. I love Sons and Four Guy. I think it was the best video that we've seen in a while. I was excited to take this pick. Um, I mean, it's a few days old at this point, and everybody has kind of chewed it up and spat it out in terms of the, in terms of watching it and enjoying it on the interview. Um, but we're kind of getting this second cycle now where the Dave Portnoy show, and I think he's going to be on part of my take tomorrow. Um, it's just – it's just an ultimate W. I mean, that's such a W for that guy and for the Suns to pull through and sweep him. Suns and four guy is a legend. Suns and four guy is tremendous. He, he that is a great viral video. <laughs> one of the all great viral videos. Uh, the recent memory. I will uh, go second here. I'm going to pick Chase Kalish. We're absolutely in Olympic season right now. And Bel Air native uh, Chase Kalish uh, made the 400 IM, won the 400 IM at the Olympic trials on Sunday. He's on the Olympic team. Um, he's a Maryland guy. Second Olympics. Cheered on by Michael Phelps from the stands. Um, he's in there. So we're going with with Mr. Kalish. Shout out to him. Shout out to the Olympics, which are all kinds of back. Eric? I was going to say shout out to Banks for being frozen in the Shout out to Banks for being frozen in the happiest of all time. That was unbelievable. I think he's, fro- I think he's, think frozen, he's frozen again. again. Frozen again. Um, <laughs> I'm on and off frozen. Like I heard. My, uh, my Nick Cannon medley man of the week is going to be Rob Manfred for absolutely just sticking it to the pitchers, quote unquote. Oh, well, well, welcome back. Well, uh, well, uh, welcome back. Oh, I've been here the whole time. This one of the all-time. I've been listening to you guys the entire time. Go ahead. Yeah, Rob Manfred. Yeah, uh, for just absolutely sticking it again. No pun intended. <laughs> Your screen is frozen. Which... You keep saying it's frozen. I'm listening to you yeah, guys loud gone. and clear. He's gone. Um, he is just – okay, tell this again. So, Rob Manfred, for absolutely sticking it to these pitchers who are, you know, using a substance of some – whatever, whether it's rosin or sunscreen or whatever, you know, spider tack, by suspending them for 10 games and paying them. I mean, that's – what a hard ass. I mean, just absolutely sticking <laughs> it right to them. 
Um, Absolutely got him. No, it's it, he. He's an absolute joke. Um, my my Nick Hanner medley person of the week is my buddy Paul, uh, who who helped us out with the Grayson uh, Rodriguez interview. Um, helped. I I worked with him to put the gas stuff together for the for the Bay Sox game. He does their PR. He does their social media. He does their. Uh, he does a little bit of everything. So P- Paul was Paul was working overtime the last couple of days, and I feel like I'm I'm kind of the uh, the reason for that. But but he knocked it out of the park. Uh, on short notice this week. So shout out to Paul and Rob Manfred for again, just absolutely suspending a guy for 10 days and, and paying him if he cheats is just, I couldn't imagine a worse laying down the law. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Good. You know, Totally I pray, I pray for that first guy who gets suspended and gets the only thing weaker than Rob Manfred is banks is internet connection right now. I think that's the, I think that's the, the moral. The, the, now he's in like a mid blink. Now he's in a mid blank. I mean, this is me and RDT have flawless connection right now. Just I, I literally could not be connected any better. I feel like I'm sitting in a room with Taylor. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I mean, we are just absolutely rolling. Uh, and, and there he goes. <laughs> the screen just goes off. Yeah. I just oh, turned the screen off. We really have not. Uh, had, like, have you not been really able to just... hear me throughout this whole thing? <laughs> no. I haven't been talking much, but. I've been hearing you guys loud and clear. Usually when, when my connection is shit, it's in and out. And since it's my recording that I grab and, and use to edit this podcast, it ends up being shitty because like I lose my connection with you guys. But you guys have been loud and clear the entire time. I mean, Eric shot for the stars with that Rob Manfred sticky joke like three times. Yeah, because I would say it. I mean, <laughs> halfway setting it be like your audio would then pipe through and just interrupt them. So we would just roll it back again all right all right i'm choosing not to speak i got nothing to say to you clowns and with that and with that we will wrap this week's episode of the x52 podcast thank you so much to grayson rodriguez and max what a final five minutes that's really one of the more memorable five minutes in the history of the show (laughs) oh Social media at Barstool Banks at uh, E D I T T I 22. You can follow Eric Day. You can follow me at Taylor Smite 10. You can follow the podcast at Exit 52 Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you to Feb Thrill Exit 52. Exit 52 is the promo code to use for 20% off. And at thanks as always to Jimmy Seafood. We will see you next time on the Exit 52 Podcast.